What actually is the metaverse? The hottest trend in tech right now is the metaverse. This week we are looking at the rising trend of the metaverse. And you know it's hot because no one will shut up about it. The metaverse? Metaverse. 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 The metaverse. The metaverse. What is the metaverse? Hi, I'm Matthias and this is V Wanna Know, the show where celebrities get curious. On this podcast, we invite on some of the biggest names in pop culture and ask them one topic that they're dying to know more about. It can be anything from aliens to forensic science to gun control. It's completely up to them. Then we invite an expert on that topic to come on the show and let our guests pick their brains all about it. On today's episode, Tanache learns about the metaverse. The term metaverse originated from a 1992 cyberpunk dystopia novel. Like, what even is that? Anyway, it was called Snow Crash, and it was penned by a guy named Neil Stephenson. According to Wikipedia, the metaverse is a network of 3D virtual worlds focused on social connection. In futurism and science fiction, it is often described as a hypothetical iteration of the internet as a single universal virtual world that is facilitated by the use of virtual and augmented reality headsets. Basically, the metaverse is for dorks. But as time goes on, it seems like maybe we're all becoming dorks, because the metaverse is becoming less and less avoidable. Gamers are like dying for the metaverse. They fucking love it. Companies are beginning to require employees to meet in virtual rooms using VR headsets while working from home. I've done this for a company I used to work for, and it sucked. But as technology improves exponentially, these metaverses will also suck exponentially less, and they will become a bigger part of our lives. It's just unavoidable at this point. Our expert on the metaverse is Lindsay McInerney, a futurist who's been exploring the intersection of emerging technologies and how they'll come to life. An early internet nerd, Lindsay has spent her career building startups globally and has driven early digital adoption at many of the Fortune 500 companies. And if you, like myself, do not quite know what a futurist is, it is a person who studies the future. So go figure. So where exactly do we stand with the metaverse and where are we going? Well, that's what Tanashi wants to know. Hey, I'm Tinashe, and I have been entertaining my entire life. I started with acting when I was really young, doing a lot of movies and TV shows. And then when I was about 15, 14, 15, I transitioned into music full time, left acting behind. And I started touring, creating new music. And around 17 was when I decided to make my own album, built a studio in my bedroom, started recording my first project as, you know, my own creative director, put it all out there. It went crazy. I signed to a record label very soon after that. Seven years with that record label, released three albums, I think, had a really fun, interesting run. And then in the last three years, I've left that label, gone independently, and I'm back being, you know, the full creative director again. And yeah, it's been really fun. So just to get things started, I wanted to ask, especially about the last album. And then last week, the week before we're talking now, you came out with the deluxe version of it. 
And something I was reading about in another interview was you, you were getting asked a lot about going independent. And it sort of seemed in general, actually, from a couple of interviews that in going independent, not only were you getting a lot of like critical acclaim still for your work, if not maybe even more, but you also just seemed much happier with it yourself was a vibe that I was getting repeatedly. And something that you mentioned specifically was about using this as an opportunity to sort of like lean more into interests of yours that maybe otherwise you wouldn't have explored if you didn't have that freedom. And one of those being the, I guess, middle ground between technology and spirituality. So I'm wondering if you can elaborate a little bit on how you explored that in the music, but also just why that was a topic you wanted to cover. With, like I said, the creative freedom to just kind of do whatever I want and conceptualize my own album, I was really, like you said, just tapped into a lot of things that I'm interested in. And during the pandemic, I was watching and reading and learning a lot about tech, about the metaverse, about, you know, how we're developing as a society species with technology. And I was playing a lot of games. I was gaming a lot. So there was just like a lot of me kind of living and using and being interested in virtual realities, different realities, you know, different dimensions, if you will. And I think that that's always been a concept that I've been interested in as well. In general, like the concept of reality in one of my very first projects or the second project I ever put out in 2012, one of it was, one of them was called Reverie. And that project really was about potentially living in a dream and what it dealt with a lot of topics about what is reality, what is the nature of reality, if it's all from our own perspective, it's subjective, like what does that really mean, like how do we know what's real, what's not. So I think that those being topics and questions that I've had for a long time. It's interesting that since then, you know, I guess now the past 10 years that has evolved or like thinking about those questions has evolved as technology has evolved and kind of figuring out how those two can kind of live simultaneously. Also, also, I think during the pandemic, I was dealing with just being with myself a lot, obviously not traveling, not doing a lot of the things I normally did. And that really helped me go deeper into my spirituality, my spiritual practices. And so I think that was like another layer of adding to the concept that I wanted to explore. Like, how does this spirituality, how does reality in general, like, what would this look like in this future that we're potentially moving towards where you know, you can't tell the difference between what's real, what's what is simulated virtual reality spaces, how we're moving towards even more and more of that potentially like are we in a simulation already dealing with a lot of those questions in my video playing with a lot of those themes of like people having VR goggles on maybe being in different versions of realities. Also my album dealing with like the duality of this like lighter version this darker version. Um, of kind of the same reality even in the cover art we kind of play with these concepts of maybe breaking down this fourth wall kind of maybe the first part of the album was in like the literal world or maybe it was like what we thought was the literal world this like spiritual kind of you know just like garden feeling <laughs> free you know with all of the 
spirituality and and that being like the third eye open and like all of those references and then the deluxe cover coming in and kind of like breaking down the simulation like the third eye was really like a digital third eye and maybe that references technology and surveillance and just like so many concepts that I'm really interested in and just trying to bring them all together in a way that people understand because I do think it can get kind of it's hard to explain but like it makes a lot of sense to me (laughs) yeah I mean it's it's complicated but like you said it's become so much more prevalent over the last decade that I think everybody's learning about it but still trying to figure stuff out which is part of the reason that we're doing this call and I it was so interesting to see I mean especially with Reverie which I was looking at that even though now you're sort of maybe tapping more into like metaverse or more futuristic things it seems you've always had this interest or curiosity and like you said, reality or alternate realities or other realms, I guess on maybe like more of like a personal level, why do you think you are so drawn to that or these sort of like others or these parallels? I mean, is it more of like an escapist thing? Is it a curiosity thing? Is it like, you know, that's where the world's going. So you want to try to get a grasp on it now? Like, why, why do you think that is? I think all of those reasons. I think for me, I'm generally a really curious and deep person. Like when I was really young, I was really interested in like anything that felt like paranormal, like aliens, like the Loch Ness Monster. Like that was the type of book I was checking out in the library. So I think I've just always been really interested in things that feel unexplained or that we don't fully know diving into those concepts creating my own understanding of what those concepts mean um being an Aquarius I think those are all reasons um also just you know I think like you said just wanting to be involved in the conversation as it becomes more and more and more prevalent in our everyday lives. And there's so many like brands and big companies and all sorts of things that are getting interested in this space and just wanting to be a part of the conversation artistically, creatively as a woman. Yeah, there's a lot of reasons. <laughs> when I was looking at your old albums, remembered that you have one called Aquarius and was like, that's actually the reason. <laughs> because I'm I'm on February 1st. And I know that for me, it's like, it's always just sort of what's the other, what's this, like, there has to be more than this. And I think that that's what you're exploring with a lot of like the music and then music videos, the way you've done performances, things that you were doing during COVID. It it seems to me that you're someone who's like very actively trying to learn about new technology and apply it to your art um, rather than having it happen in a more passive way. Um, And I think that's really clear, again, everything from the album artwork to like songs about the future, you know, what have you. It's just something you're obviously addressing a lot in your work. Um, So I was excited that you wanted that to be like the topic you were talking about because you kind of know your shit already somewhat. (laughs) Amazing. Yeah, no, I totally feel that that's exactly right. Like, I'm just really interested in, especially as an artist, I think you're in like the unique position to obviously take like what we're going through in our experiences and also make them somewhat interesting or understandable to other people so to kind of help bridge the gap between people who just have no interest in technology and how things are moving forward the fact that like the world is changing and going ahead in that direction you don't want to just be a passenger on the ship like you want to be able to have input you know be involved in conversations things like that is there and maybe this will be something we can talk more about with Lindsay when she comes on but is there anything about the metaverse or like anything that we're discussing now that 
that scares you also I mean it's such a huge subject that there's so many like pros and cons to it it seems um honestly no not really because I just try to be optimistic in general I think that there are a lot of arguments and things that can seem scary or daunting if you think about it too much um but you know I think that that's that's the world that's the era that we live in everything is changing so fast even the music industry itself like from the time I got involved in it to now like is a completely different world and so I think it's more exciting and of course there's aspects of it that can be scary you know people using technology for evil and this that the third but you know that such is life, such is life. and, and, and 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 to be able to combat against it, you know, we all have to have an understanding of what's even going on. So yeah, I think that that's very, very true words. So we can bring Lindsay in now. Hi, Lindsay. Hey, how are you? Really good. Nice. Uh, nice to be connecting with everyone. Absolutely. Thank you so much for doing this. So, um, so like I said, if you want to just start by introducing yourself and sort of what your background is in this space, and then we'll just jump into asking you a couple questions. Yeah, sure. Uh, my name is Lindsay. I'm a, a tech futurist and um, have always been really invested in technology. Uh, a couple of years ago, I wrote a thesis on crypto NFTs in the metaverse for a, a large brewer where I was global head of technology and innovation. Um, I've always really obsessed about virtual worlds and, you know, where things where things could go in the future um, and just really, really enjoy talking about it, uh, especially philosophically. So I'm, I'm really excited to connect with you. OK, perfect. Thank you for that. So, yeah, Tanashua, if you want to just start. OK, it's really easy to just start with the basics. What is the metaverse? <laughs> it's a great question. You know, it, it's important to have this one up front because actually, you know, the metaverse is not even in the dictionary yet. And so you know, it's really difficult to talk about something when we don't know what we can point at. Mm. The metaverse, you're also going to get a different answer from every person you ask. For me, the metaverse is all about the convergence of the digital and the physical. So for me, it's not a fully immersive world where we're wearing VR headsets. In fact, I think that would be very dystopian and weird. Um, but it is this place where we're getting, as a society, there, where technology is becoming more and more part of our lives and it's actually augmenting our physical reality in, in really exciting ways uh, where if we get it right, um, I'm hopeful that we will have um, a better relationship with technology where we can be removed from our digital screens um, and stop taking ourselves out of the moment by having to look down at something and, and actually just have um, you know, digital guides and, and things like that uh, sort of around us through better devices. What would that device kind of look like? In your so it's bizarre to me to think, but there were already contact lenses that are fully enabled in, in, in actually helping you do different things. So imagine going for a run. Um, which, which city do you live in, by the way? LA. LA. All right. So you're going in for a gorgeous run in LA because why not? You always have sun. Um, yeah. And you've got a, a set of contacts in, you know, you could have your, your heart rate, your the elevation, how fast you're running, you know, everything that you would normally have perhaps within in an application on your phone, you'd have that all in your contact lenses, um, things alerting you, you know, turn left here, turn right there. So you don't have to plan your route in advance, um, you know, and even telling you, you know, maybe where you would want to stop for a, uh, a smoothie or a coffee that morning, because you've 
you know, kind of done your, you know, done your K, your kilometers or your miles, uh, you know, already. So, um, you know, just sort of seamlessly helping us navigate our physical world with digital cues. That seems pretty cool. <laughs> Did you say that's something that already exists, those contacts? Yeah, it's, 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 it's insane. So, you know, there, there are already a couple of contact lens and wearable companies where the, it, it blows my mind that the technology is in something as small as a contact lens. And of course we all remember Google glass, Google glass was very cool, just way too early. Um, you know, but everybody, you know, people like me who wear glasses, there's, there's some already some great glassware. Um, and then like lots of technology, it's just a matter of sort of the software catching up to the hardware and the hardware becoming, inexpensive enough that a lot of people can adopt it and wear it and own them. So we've still got a long way to go before it gets to be as clever and cool as, as, it, as it can be, but it's certainly the future. Do you have any idea what like a price point on contact lenses like that would be right now? I couldn't tell you what the retailing for. They're going to be, they're going to be a couple thousand dollars still if, if um, you know, but, but there really aren't, aren't many consumer ones. If you go to some of the big tech shows like AWEXR in, in, um, in California, things like that, you can see them on display and you can see people trying, trying them out. Um, and there's some great videos as well, um, you know, of, of where it's going, but it's, uh, it's getting close guys. Well, the, my question then is if this is becoming the point where technology and like our everyday lives is so seamlessly intertwined. Obviously it already is with our phones. Like we can't get off them. So obviously like we are very much entwined with technology, our computers, our phones at all times. But do you think that, I guess with there being like social media and people having issues with the fact that, you know, it's being addictive or it's this, that, the third, do you think that the fact that we won't be able to kind of undo that progression of into ourselves with technology that will become problematic? Like, I don't know, have we psychologically <laughs> like tested the impacts of like having human beings be computers? I don't know. I mean, this is why these kinds of conversations are so great to have right now. And I listened to your, your interview with Matthias up front and like, you have this very philosophical approach to technology and what you're into. So, you know, these are the conversations to have right now because we're still building. And these are the important conversations to have, because I think if we, you know, sort of rewind um, when we were verging from web 1.0 to 2.0, which, you know, for simple terms, the era of social media, when we were at the very beginning of that era, it's my personal opinion that we didn't take a step far enough back to kind of understand what the negative consequences of these technologies could be and how they could be used. And, and, you know, you're right. There's, there's definitely been, been challenges. In my opinion, no technology is, is 100% good or bad technology will re reflect the society we live in. And so, you know, there will certainly be challenges ahead. Um, but, you know, we're as a species, like we're, we're innovative. We always are moving things forward. And so the only, the only certainty is that we will continue to create new things and sort of move forward into technology. And, um, and I think these are like incredibly important reflective conversations to have. Like, what are the evils? Where are the pitfalls? Where does this fall down? Should we do this? Um, you know, et cetera. I think in a really hopeful way, you know, like I said, I think today our, our experience with technology is very device driven. So whether you want to watch a TV show or whether you want to talk to a friend on a social network or text people or look up directions on a hike, you know, you always have to pull your phone out of your pocket and be in a screen. Even now I'm absorbed in my computer screen and um, you know, 
if we if we start to be able to push technology to be more seamless and more integrated um, and more helpful, then it's possible that we could actually sit at a dinner conversation and not touch our phones, which would be remarkable. Like imagine going to a restaurant and looking around the room and not seeing telephones anymore. Um, you know that that could be a really interesting you know way for us to actually connect deeper with one another again. I'm all for that. I think it's exciting. I think technology is like it's opened so many doors for so many people it's made life so much more convenient in a lot of ways in terms of like being able to find out any information at any time there's so many helpful apps and tools and things so if you think about the future moving in a direction that like is really amazing and convenient and awesome and like all this technology is just really serving us. I think that's really, really, really positive and exciting and something that we can focus on. I think obviously a lot of times people focus on um, how it can be exploited and how it can go bad, which I think are valid arguments, of course, especially when it comes to like creating monopolies over these technologies. Like, do you ever worry about that from you know, someone who's obviously working with people on the inside, do you ever work, worry about like the average person not being able to, or like censorship potentially, or different things just being manipulated to the point where the regular person who can't create the technology or have the same kind of access as like the programmers, the guys up at the top, like, are they just going to control, is it going to become like they control the world and we aren't able to even share or participate in the real information because of this information gap, I suppose. Yeah, I, I feel like in so many ways, ways that we're already there, right? Like, you know, we've we've had the political climate is just so hot right now. We're so divided um, globally, you know, as as a nation, every nation's got its challenges with, with things like that. And, um, you know, it's it's sort of my opinion that uh, if you if you look at what's popped up over the past 10 years, it's all platforms where you have individual people um, making decisions about how information travels on their platform, what, you know, what, what is okay, what is not, how advertisements are going to get delivered and to whom, uh, you know, and, and that kind of thing. And so I feel like we've like, we've kind of hit that, we've kind of hit that era. And what I liked, what I like a lot about where things are going with, with the metaverse, with web three is that, a lot of the ethos and values that people are leaning into again are a lot more decentralized. So it's not meant to be a single person making a decision that, you know, people can collaborate together to, to, to make decisions. And actually I was, you know, your the album that you released, you know, you think you, you were saying it was independent that you released your last album. Right. And so thinking about, you know, that and how you as an individual were able to say like, you know, I don't need a platform. I am my platform and I'm going to work with my community to, have my own messaging and use technology, which of course you use because you're an Aquarius and you're in, in, into innovation because that's your thing. Um, you know that you were able to kind of dig into that and, and create your own, you, you know, own, your own space. I think that's very much the ethos and value of Web three to allow allow people to connect directly with people you know like them and and not centralize gates of power to you know a single person. Right, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I think it's exciting. What do you think? Yeah, look, you know, you were talking a little bit about um, the blending of the of, of of reality and like, are we living in a simulation? And you know, I'm curious. You know, what do you what do you think? Are we are we in a simulation? Are we even on this call? Like, it's amazing that you you know, do you have any films or things that you've kind of gotten into in in that space? Yeah, I think just the concept, like I said again, with gaming, and this is also what I think 
you kind of mentioned with like being able to put in contact lenses and like see the world to me, it's almost like the world is becoming gamified. Totally. Like everything that we're doing makes it seem more and more every day from a literal perspective that like we are the avatar who is just kind of going through the motions, like click here to go next, <laughs> like click there to go next. And the gamification of the world, I think is, that it's really interesting to me because I'm a big fan of games. I love gaming and just the thought of how, um, how amazing technology has gotten with games in the past, however many years, how similar to reality some of these scenes can look, how much you can really become integrated in it. I think it just begs the question that maybe all the stuff that we're looking at right now is a simulation. I think that's really reasonable to me it doesn't seem super far out there I think a lot of people who are involved in that space can totally wrap their mind around it because we've seen how crazy technology has gotten we've seen how crazy they're able to render these entire universes and and just kind of render just as much as you need to see like who's to say that none of that's happening right now there's so many layers to it and levels to it I definitely am open to the concept I don't feel like I know but it's something that's really interesting to me and just the different layers of like a simulation within a simulation within a simulation within a simulation I think that that's that's um yeah that's just like kind of a mind it, warp it is a total <laughs> mind warp it's, it's you know it's a total meltdown if you if you think about it too hard you know I think people people like you are going to be able to take advantage of these technologies and sort of um, you know, be more global than than we even ever could be, even a very in a very global you know world. I think you know you you'd be able to do concerts at any time of day or night globally from your living room. You'll be able to you know I, I think eventually if I step inside a you know Tinashe concert, I'm not going to know actually if it's a digital concert. You know, it'll feel it will feel just as good as a, as a real concert. It'll be very you know satisfying in another way, but feel very, very authentic and real. And I think about, you know, the kind of experiences that someone like yourself will be able to deliver people um, on a much, you know, much more intimate level, uh, you know, where you're, you know, say you're selling out you know, arenas and people are dying to see you back in, you know, a tiny venue, you know, you can recreate that experience and, and that'll be the reality that I get to, you know, get to watch you in, which will be, you know, really, really interesting and quite fun. Yeah, I love that. I was Definitely really interested in that with the pandemic, obviously not being able to do live shows. I did a few different versions of virtual performances, and it was just kind of really interesting to to figure out how each one felt um, like just a regular kind of Zoom performance where people were able to comment. But, you know, it feels there's some level of like flatness there. Um, I did one where it was, I was an avatar. So it was a fully digitized, like gamified world. And the other, the spectators could also become avatars and watch it. So that was kind of cool, but that also you needed some type of like 3D goggles mm -hmm. to like really kind of get involved in that world. And I was there as an avatar, but it wasn't like literally me. That was great. And then I also did one where the whole entire world was a, like simulated, but I was real, like I was a green screen kind of, it was melding, melding the two, like me literally performing and then the world being simulated. So I think it's just really interesting how hopefully that can get better and better because it did feel very flat. Like it doesn't feel real yet. Were, were any of them better than another? For some reasons, I think I enjoyed the one where I could be my 
itself, but I was in the fit world the best. However, I wasn't able to have the audience interaction. Like I couldn't read the comments. And I think that that is as a performer, that's like the missing piece, not feeling the energy of the audience, Mm -hmm. not feeling the energy of the people in the room. And like, how are we going to solve that problem? I think that that's going to come so soon. Like it's going to be amazing, but it's really interesting how we basically have these questions of like, okay, how do we take this zoom meeting vibe and how do we make it feel real? How do we make these conversations feel as authentic as they do when you're in the room with someone? Like there's still this disconnect with technology. And I think that's going to be really interesting to see over the next five, 10 years. Yeah, I agree. So some of the things I think about or or I wonder as well is like, you know, do we want to replicate? So I I believe, you know, metaverse in general will be a a parallel of reality, but, but do we want to replicate? And I think about how in reality, we've got like these large scale concerts with lights and pyrotechnics and all this great stuff like that exists. And that's one thing we can replicate in a digital world. And it sounds like you jumped into some things in that space through the pandemic, which is, which is cool. But then I think like also in reality, we have things like tiny desk concerts, which have a totally different vibe. And you have, you know, Lizzo with no instruments and backing group. And it's like, wow, it's a totally different, a different thing. And, you know, I guess even in these spaces, there will be, we'll be able to think about like, what do we want to replicate? What's the vibe we want to deliver? And like, what is the, what is the way people will connect in, um, in different ways. And, And I think that's one of the hardest things to craft right now is, is just, how you get there and have, have people there without it being or feeling weird, but feeling genuinely authentic and connected and, and wonderful. And, um, you know, I think the future is friendly in that way. We'll get there, but, uh, but I think you're right. A lot of it can pe- feel pretty, pretty flat right now is a great way to describe it. Do you think when you think of the metaverse in the future that it feels more like animated gamified, like, or literal, like, are you thinking we're going to be able, there will be some type of seamlessness between the real reality and this metaverse reality? Or do you think that it'll be very obvious where that's, or maybe it'll be different depending on like how it's used, how it's integrated. I can see that happening as well. Yeah. Likewise. I I agree. I mean, I think that there's going to be different experiences that I want to have, right? Like I think one thing about the metaverse for me that's important is that it's always on, right? It's a perpetual world. So it would make sense that I can step out of an immersive experience and back in it, but that it existed and carried on without me Mm. Um, being there just like reality. You know, if if I'm in London today, but I fly to Los Angeles, London carries on and, and continues. Like it's still a city with a buzz and a pulse, you know, without me. And and so I think all of these worlds will have, you know, that kind of effect. But I also love the kind of creativity and the, you know, reality defying things you can do in these spaces that are experiences that I think I want to enjoy as well, where we don't have gravity. We don't have to worry about, you know, like so even the costumes and the, you know, the things you can do with that is is just incredible because you're just we're operating in a different space. So I think, you know, I think there'll be some that are incredibly lifelike and that those will be educational and interesting and fascinating and solve a lot of problems for people, um, you know, who have specific challenges or specific things they want to learn or see or do. So being able to travel without leaving your house, if, you know, that's not an option, like that's incredible. And also I think that there'll be a lot of, you know, really wonky creative worlds and it'll really push human creativity to a place where, you know, you're able to perform a concert that you could only have dreamed of five years ago uh, at some point. That sounds awesome.
I have a question about um, in terms of like where things might be going. Do you feel like you've seen any representations in media, whether it's movies, music video, like anything like that, where in your head you're like, I think that's pretty close to what the metaverse is going to look like for us in five, 10 years? That's a great, great question. So I think one of the one of the most common questions I'm asked is, is, is metaverse not an answer to a very dystopian world in science fiction? And the truth is, it, it is, right? Like anytime we've sort of seen these glimpses of play, you know, worlds where people go in and connect and there's an economy and there's jobs and there's, you know, it's, it's really fully immersive and that kind of thing. Um, it, it is in an answer to some sort of dystopian reality that, that people are living in. And, and I think the fact is our world has never been closer to dystopian reality, right? We're in the middle of a pandemic. We've got climate crisis. We've got fires, flood, like all of these crazy things are going on. And I, and I think that one of the closest ones is Ready Player One. I don't know if you've, if you've read the book, but you know, the, the idea of the, you know, the economy, the shopping, how it sort of ties into the real world, right? Where you've got a character who goes into a shopping mall, buys some things in there. Today, we scroll on a news, you know, or we scroll on a website and go, okay, like, let's add this stuff to a cart. In the future, I can go into a, you know, shopping mall and buy goods and try on fashion and try things on that come to my front door and I know already fit me, uh, you know, and I get later. So this idea of, of combining reality and, and this digital world, um, of it being always on, of meeting friends there, of, you know, transporting around and having sort of different universes within it and different things that look and feel like different, you know, areas or levels um, that that really resonates. I think uh, that was that was one of the closer ones for, you know, for me, the negative and the downside being that it, it's, it came in a dystopian, you know, as, as an answer to dystopian place where the world was pretty crappy for a lot of people. And, and, and the world is crappy for a lot of people right now. And so I think one of the things that I always try to, you know, try to talk about a, a lot too is, you know, that we have to focus on making reality a place people want to be also um, and, and continue to, you know, vote and help and support and pay attention to what's going on in our local communities and in our countries and our in our world to to make sure we don't have to immerse ourselves, but that it's a choice and that it's you know something we're doing as incrementally exciting and not uh, you know the only answer we have to existing. <laughs> if that makes sense. Yeah, for sure. Speaking of like voting and, and stuff like that, do you think that there needs to be like some type of Web3 government? Or do you think that there needs to be any type of overarching laws or rules in place? Do you think this is just like a lawless new place? Will that stay that way? Is that sustainable? Do we need like, you know, like a human rights group created in the Web3 space to make sure that people don't get abused? Like, do you think there just needs to be any checks and balances there or kind of the fact that it's there aren't is part of the appeal to me, but at the same time, is that something in your opinion that makes sense? It's a total wild west right now. You're 100% yeah. correct. You know, it feels very, you know, very ungoverned and, and, you know, very, very lawless in a lot of ways. And, you know, also the code is law in, in Web3, which is kind of kind of interesting. One of the things that always worries me about putting, for example, like a government in, in place on something or, or adding governance is that, you know, governance is only as good as who the government is. And, you know, it could all work out very well for all of us right now. And then on the turn of a dime, it, it really doesn't. And, and you know, I, I'm always really cautious, you know, about that. And I think one of the appealing things 
to me, and that I, I, the truth is I don't have a complete answer for, because it's something I think we've got to work out, is this idea of consensus and getting, you know, making decisions through working with, uh, you know, computer code and consensus of lots of people seems really appealing. And I don't know how that works out when you try and do things like govern, especially where, you know, like we sort of touched on, like we're so divided right now. Um, coming up with the rules together is is really tricky. And there's a lot of people that wouldn't have the same rules that you or, or I do, or I may not have the same rules as you do. So the who decides is always sort of the big challenge from my side. Yeah, I guess we'll see what happens. Yeah, being and participating. Being here and participating was amazing, though, that like that you're here, that you're showing up, that you're thinking about these things like, you know, we, we need to be thinking about them early and we need lots of people, you know, having these conversations. Mm-hmm. I have a really basic question on something you both have touched on and that like my friends talk like people talk about it. I just still don't get what it is, which is Web3. I understand the like general concept of it and that it's it involves the metaverse, but it's not the same as the metaverse. So I'm wondering if you can break that down. So, you know, a lot of people probably aren't even aware that there have been, you know, three eras of internet. And, you know, when the internet's doing its job, nobody should be aware of it. It's the most ubiquitous technology we all have. And it's, you know, it's it's awesome. Um, but, you know, Web1 was really a, when the internet first came online, it was about connecting information. And there wasn't much you could do, but go on the internet and read the information that people with really expensive computers had put there, which was mostly academia, uh, et cetera. We moved into the web two era um, where the technologies that sort of underpin the internet evolved to allow people, more people to contribute to it. And that's where we saw things like social media, where you couldn't just read the internet, you could also share. People became bloggers and we could post videos and pictures and, and comment and chat and engage with one another. And that's sort of the era we've been in for you know roughly the past 10, 15 years. Um, the third era of the internet is where you can, you know, there's, it's connecting information, it's connecting people, but it's also got, um, an economy underneath it. You know, you can, there's a, there's a level of ownership. And so we're entering that era right now. And I would think about the, the term web three is really just being about the technology. And if social media was the output of the technologies of web two, then I like to think of the metaverse as the output of the technologies of Web3. So just using the technologies, this is what we could build. And this is sort of what emerges a space that people were having fun in and spending a lot of a lot of time. If that if that adds any clarity to the situation at all. It does. No, it does. It just makes me have maybe an obvious follow-up question, which is like, does what would web four, web five? I mean, what what is like, what is that? <laughs> what's next? this is it I guess we're pushing towards a singularity and that's like you know so philosophically out there it's uh you know it's really it's it's fascinating but it's uh you know it's it's you know complete oneness with with robots and computing and hopefully hopefully I'm gone by then because I think that might even be too much for me (laughs) I have one last question do you think that people will adopt the technology because there are a good amount of people who are very like we said at the beginning of this conversation, just like very hesitant about it. Like when it comes to like, even like NFTs, like there's a whole community of people who are like, hell no, anti, anti, no, absolutely not. Get this out of my face. Like, and I'm sure there's a lot of people who feel that same way about metaverse. Like they just hear the term metaverse and they're like, like, I don't want to do this. Do you think that there's going to be a real embrace of it? Or do you think people are going to push back against it? Like, what do you feel? is the future in that regard. Yeah, I think, you know, the, the reality is that like, you know, technology moves on with or without us. And so there was a lot of people who thought 
that, you know, social media was ridiculous 10, 15 years ago. And I think you'd be hard pressed to find a, it still is. <laughs> yeah, it, it is still is ridiculous. Um, but I think you'd be hard pressed to find people, anybody now who sort of participates on the internet, who hadn't watched a video on the internet that, you know, somebody had posted that wasn't, uh, a, you know, like a, a news source or, you know, a big business, um, which means they've participated in the social web or, you know, you'd be hard pressed to find somebody who hadn't shared something, you know, that kind of thing. And so, you know, I think, I think the, the internet is just going to move forward and going to move on. And, you know, there'll be folks who are really into this fully immersive concept and love VR headsets and, not, not my place to judge, you know, that, you know, that experience and that desire for, for that experience. And then there's going to be folks who are sort of like light touch, right? Um, I still have some folk for some friends who never bothered to get Snapchat or never bothered to get um, certain so- social networks. And so, you know, I think there's, there's definitely a little bit of resistance. The only thing that's going on right now is that a lot of these technologies seem really ridiculous because they are, they're really hard to use right now, right? This is what happens with technology. When you tried to go on the internet in 1994, that was a rough experience, right? Like it was hard. You really had to fight for it. You had to buy your minutes. And if somebody picked up the phone, you were disconnected. It was awful. Like it was the worst. And that's where we are right now with web three and the metaverse and and NFTs and crypto. And the user experience is going to get better as the technologies evolve and get better. And then, you know, I think there will be more, more people that come to the table who are keen to participate. A really good example of this one for me, and, and this is this is one of the, the big things, like technology always has to serve sort of a purpose for folks and has to sort of make sense. And I think one of the great first consumer use cases for crypto was NFTs. Um, you know, a lot of them are really kind of still pretty nascent and and perhaps not mainstream yet, but one that did go make quite mainstream that had like a clear use case for a lot of people was NBA Top Shot. And for me, that was because you have a, a world with a lot of sports fans. And in reality, people collect basketball cards. And this just showed them, you can put your credit card on here and you can own them digitally. And it's the identical thing to this physical thing that you already do, but here it is digitally. And people, oh my God, that's like dead easy. I get that. This makes sense. So I think we'll just we'll see more some more interesting use cases that are just more mainstream, and the technologies will get simpler. And that's what something like a Top Shot did really well. It was dead easy to just buy a basketball card, and the use case made sense because it was very simple for people. Totally, that makes a lot of sense. I'm gonna I'm gonna book both of you in like five years for a follow up to this conversation. Well, <laughs> and we'll see what happened in the in the it's meantime. Like two years. In two that years, yeah, please, yeah, short, shorter time than that. Tanasha, I, would, I did want to ask you um, if you like. I'm I'm blown away that you did some stuff in in virtual worlds through the pandemic, and that you you like really seem to have gone down the rabbit hole, particularly philosophically, which is fun. Have you bought or sold, or have you have you bought any NFTs? Do you own any NFTs? Yeah, so I've bought a couple, and I've been really interested in the world, and that's why it was it was intriguing for me to see how people were reacting to it because I was talking about it on Twitter a little bit, and there was a good amount of backlash. Um, really? And a good amount of people that were like, what's the point of this? There's no point of this. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of those conversations coming up. And I think, you know, being somebody who is so directly connected to my fans and to the public, I was just really interested in the fact that there was this like really aggressive like stance towards mm-hmm. it, which made me wonder like, okay, we should just, we should just be talking about these. We should be having these conversations. The more we have these conversations, the more everyone will get on the same page. I think there's a lot of misinformation, a lot of just people that don't really understand these concepts. And that's why I think conversations like today are great for people to listen to, to kind of feel like 
okay, I know a little bit about what I'm talking about. This isn't just this whole crazy, scary thing that's just happening to me that I can't control, but I can actually be involved in it. I can actually participate. I think that that's really positive. So I really am interested in this space. I'm learning more and more about it all the time. Yeah. I love that so much. That's uh, that's exactly the attitude. Mm-hmm. Great. Well, cool. thank thank both of you and everybody on this call so much for the the time, Lindsay. That was very informative. Tanasha, you had you knew yes. exactly what to ask. So we really appreciate it. Thank you guys again so much. Thank you. That was fun. Thank you. Bye, y'all. The deluxe version of Tanasha's album Three 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 is out now. Keep an eye out for future tour dates, perhaps in the metaverse. You can follow Lindsay on Twitter at the M-C-I-N-E-R-N-E-Y, which you can also find in the episode description. Thank you guys so much for tuning into this episode. Don't forget to subscribe to stay in the know. And if you're new here, we have plenty more, like Phineas learning about gun control, Madison Beer learning about the history of psychiatry, and King Princess really leaning into her fascination with aliens. You should check that one out. V Wanna Know is produced and edited by Ryan Killian Krauss. I'm your host, Matthias. We'll see you next time. <laughs>